Hey, it's Chelsea and welcome to the Animal Animals Podcast, where you'll be joining me in driving discussions to bring the conversation of sustainability to the forefront of the fashion industry. Welcome back if you're tuning in again this week. It's so nice to have you guys around again. And if you're new here into the space, then a very big warm welcome. Just to quickly reintroduce myself, I'm Chelsea, founder of sustainably driven streetwear brand Anima Animus, and your podcast host today on the Anima Animus podcast, which is a safe space where we can sit down each week and connect with other like-minded fashion designers, brands, and all sorts of other creatives within the sustainable fashion world to drive these open and chilled conversations about sustainability because we are all about learning and growing here. So this week's spotlight is going to have more focus on the social side of sustainability. Many of us are aware that fashion's marketing campaigns, representations and even its systems are not as diverse and inclusive as we would hope it to be. I have some episodes lined up where we can really dive into intersectional environmentalism together a bit more and I know, don't freak out, when I heard this term for the first time as well, I was like, what does this mean? But don't freak out. Intersectional environmentalism is when both social and environmental justice are taken into equal account. But shouldn't that what be the word sustainability means anyway? Well, sadly, no, because brands can sometimes preach about slow fashion in the name of environmentalism, but then leave out the human aspect of fashion in the back seat. So to quickly quote something from an article written by Remake, they summarise that the face of sustainable and ethical fashion is undeniably white and privileged, despite the fact that those most impacted by fashion's severe pollution and other environmental plights are BIPOC and marginalised communities. According to the American Lung Association, roughly 57% of people of colour in the US live in countries that failed at least once for ozone and particle pollution in comparison to 38% of whites. And I think this kind of resonates back to one of the episodes that I had previously with Katie when we spoke more about UK's air pollution problem. So if you want to check out that one, that is episode 18 with Katie English. And I don't know if you guys heard about the news around Jackamuse a while back, but Jackamuse or Jackamuse is a luxury French fashion brand, which is working towards sustainability. And they were praised online for their 2021 spring ready-to-wear show that showcased a stunning cast of diverse models parading through this open, serene field. But shortly after, Jackie Muse posted an Instagram photo displaying their behind-the-scenes team, which appeared to be a team made up of all white, if not most white, team members. And so from this, we can see that there's still so much we can do as an industry to really make inclusivity become a long-term change across the spectrum. But these are just snippets of such a wider and bigger conversation. Today, I would really love for you guys to join me and my amazing guest this week, Jessica Evans, who is the founder and creative behind Noage Label designed for the modern woman who cares about the world's welfare. For me, this is such an inspiring conversation because Nawaj really practices this concept of intersectional environmentalism. And did I mention Jessica is also a model? So it was just a really great opportunity for me to be able to ask her about her experiences and her thoughts on fashion's diversity and inclusion problem, how this is interlinked with the industry's beauty standards, and how she actually uses this as fuel to drive Nawaj as the conscious brand that it is today. Jessica is such a super sweet soul and I'm so happy to be sharing such an awesome brand 
and this awesome conversation with you guys. So I really hope you enjoy this one. What's up, Jessica? How is it going? Hey, I'm good, thank you. How is everything with you? Yeah, all good here in London. What's it like? Um, where are you based again? I'm in France at the moment. France, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's it like there? It's good. It's actually, well, we never really went into like a full lockdown this year, but we've had like a curfew. So we've got a 6pm curfew. And obviously I think it's like most places now, a lot of places like restaurants and bars and social places are closed so a lot of working from home and <laughs> yeah the usual yeah now. <laughs> but it has been getting um really nice and sunny here some days so it's kind of like hopeful that like spring and summer's just around the corner so yeah same in, so. yeah same we've seen a bit of sun which is so rare here in London so it's actually quite nice yeah yeah I definitely probably after all the snow and the, the cold and the yeah. rain in, the, in London <laughs> it sums up how how volatile our weather here like clearly yeah <laughs> definitely yeah well first of all welcome to the show we always start off our episodes with a little game and it's called AA Assumptions and that's when I ask my guests three statements and they can reply if they think it's true or false and why. So you ready? Amazing, sounds great. Awesome. So the first one is, it's up to businesses to tackle climate change and be more sustainable. I feel that's not true, even though sometimes it seems like businesses have to do this especially because it's put so much in the media that you know these new sustainable brands are popping up or these fast fashion brands are being much more sustainable I think it's it's a collective um, thing that we all need to be able to do together so it shouldn't be just all brands and companies that need to focus on even though they can be the driving force it's also up to the consumer to make um sensible decisions on how sustainably they can live and it's it's about everybody um I guess learning and educating each other on how to live more sustainably Mm. so as a consumer you can make more sustainable choices but then as a company or a brand it's your mission to uh, be more sustainable and market your products that way and educate the consumers so it's it's consumers and businesses working hand to hand rather than giving all the um, input that businesses have to be sustainable for in order for the world to be a better place because it doesn't I feel like it doesn't really work like that we all should we should be more like a community and all come together because this involves every person on on the planet yeah, definitely. All humans, yeah. no matter where yeah. where we are in this landscape, <laughs> like, has a responsibility. Yeah. yeah, all the small things. Yeah, <laughs> literally. So, on the focus then of humans, the second assumption is humans can't live without plastic. Do you think that's true or false? It's a tricky one, but I feel it's true in a way because there's so many areas that use plastic I feel like it's a yes and a no we can steer away from producing new plastic products but there's so many um, products that contain certain amounts of plastics even though if it's like regenerated or recycled there's a lot of things that depend on the use of plastic so I feel until there's like a new innovative way of producing a substance that is you know strong and durable and lasts for hundreds of years but also sustainable to replace plastic products I think then we could live without plastic but I think for now in at the moment we need to reduce the consumption of um, using new petrochemical and plastic produced items and use things that are used um, used used out of recycled plastics or regenerated plastics so it's not getting rid of the plastic but it's more of a sustainable way of reusing those plastics yeah 
I think it's so scary how plastic has become so volatile in a sense that it's coming in so many different forms and it's quite scary that even like people don't realize you know clothes are made out of plastic too mm-hmm. and with all the like the microplastics that we shed even by washing our clothes that was something that like blew my mind when I first knew about it because when I think about plastic you know the first things that I think about is like water bottles or actual like yeah. big physical like practical use things and I don't really think that something as soft as my clothing could made out of plastic so that was quite yeah it's definitely quite scary yeah yeah someone might be listening and be like what what did you just say <laughs> yeah why are they yeah. talking about plastic again but the thing is it's it really does come into education and when you're buying things you don't know you know you don't you might not know that this polyester dress is going to be shedding in the wash or you know if you buy you know paper cups from starbucks but the inside of that paper cup is lined with plastic so mm. you, know, you think you're buying a paper cup so then you don't know but so it's these small small things that we don't know but it's there's so much of it in our daily lives so it's like where do you know to cut back and and not cut back but there's actually a really good brand um called guppy bags i don't know if you've heard of that so you can put your um garment in that bag and it catches like the plastic microfibers it stops it from going into the washing machine and then getting into the waterways yeah such a fab idea yeah (laughs) yeah so let's move on to our last assumption which is in honor of one of the hats that you wear within the fashion industry and that is Mm -hmm. with your career modeling so i think this is quite an interesting topic that we would probably speak about more later and so yeah the final assumption to this game is the fashion industry will always retain its beauty ideals no matter how much people scream and shout about diversity and inclusivity i think that's false because beauty ideals and standards change throughout history so you know if you go back to like the 50s it was like curvier models but then you know coming into like 80s and 90s it was kind of starting to get to like more slimmer and you know more underweight kind of stick figure models but now it's kind of got back into more of like curvier shapes and there's more plus size models so I feel it it really depends on what side of the fashion industry I feel like if you're going into more of like the luxury and haute couture side of fashion then they do have their kind of like idealistic looks of really tall overly slim models but then if you're going to more of the commercial side you do have models who are more in tune with all humans which are many different shapes and sizes and I feel like that's amazing that it's being incorporated now into the fashion industry but when I you know I've been in fashion for about a decade now because I first started modeling when I was like 16 and my yeah like my ideals of modeling then was like you need to be very skinny and it's kind of like constantly ingrained in your mind like you know you're not good enough Mm. if you're not the skinniest girl or the tallest girl so you know, it's also mentally draining on you for constantly thinking you need to be a certain way in a certain industry. So I feel like throughout time it does change and I don't feel like beauty standards should be like rigid. They should change with time, but I don't feel like there is a certain beauty standard, even though some industries push it more. I think it's down to the designers and like how they feel to have diversity and inclusivity. But yeah, I definitely want to see more diverse in cultures and body shapes and forms throughout the fashion industry because I feel like it really represents and kind of brings everybody in the world together. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's a good um, drive, I think, because I guess the start of fashion has always been quite a quite a niche Mm -hmm. and like exclusive little group where it was super hard to always like get into it and it was like you had to have certain privileges to even go into this like inner circle and like then the ideals 
I don't know, like lay on top and it, it's, but I mean, from the last couple of years, I guess a lot of brands have started to be opening up to being more diverse. And I guess mm-hmm. even like the, the major players that we see right now are like Fenty, who are, you know, diverse in different shades from her makeup line to now yeah. like uh, the lingerie brand, which is absolutely killing it. And I love that. They even had the um the famous model that was like pregnant on the show and like multi body shapes and yeah I just love that like I feel like that's definitely the way forward like if you compare like Victoria's Secret how it's like you know the classic Victoria's Secret model to like how models are going this way I feel like it's more inclusive and diverse and I feel like that's how it should be even though like a lot of um people might not think that like especially in fashion they're like no like you need to be a certain way or you need to look a certain Mm. way but I feel like in general everybody should be included because like beauty is different in everybody's eye you know (laughs) yeah it's good to have like these new not even new it's just like real representations um Mm -hmm. across across the board which is yeah really exciting to see in the fashion industry yeah definitely so let's start off with introducing yourself so that our listeners could get to know you a little bit better I think it would be cool to maybe talk about your initial background and like a little bit about yourself and how you first got into fashion and then then we can like talk about you know the spark that came to be for the birth of Nawaj. <laughs> yeah no okay I mean I've had a very kind of like up and down journey with fashion but I've always been interested in fashion mm. um but yeah so like I said I started modeling when I was around 16 which was I never really wanted to be a model I'd always like see things about um fashion on tv and be like some kind kind of interested um but I've always been like very creative and artsy uh, I randomly got scouted on the streets when I was 16 oh, and wow. like my mum used to yeah <laughs> my mum used to model like back in the day in Australia and um so obviously I knew so I went back to her and was like somebody approached me like is this legit is this real like it, or mm. is it a scam and then we checked it up and they were like no it, it seems like legit and then we had a meeting and, and then they were just like yeah like you want to come join the agency so then I was like okay like I never thought of being a model but a lot mm. of my friends would always be like you should model and I was like oh whatever yeah <laughs> I was just like this skinny cool scrawny kid and I was like I really I thought like I just had big ears and I was like I don't like like model like yeah yeah. so that's kind of like how I first started out like on my journey in modeling um and then yeah the first um kind of job that I'd done I didn't even know what I'm doing and (laughs) what What was was going on (laughs) So it was just, it was like a catalogue. <laughs> I can't remember, it's just like some small catalogue kind of job. But it's like, you it's so intimidating because you don't really get any like education about it. You don't really, you're not taught how to be a model. It's, it was kind of like, okay, so you're just going to do this shoot. You turn up uh, for the photographer and then they're kind of like, okay, they might direct you a bit. So you only really, you learn on the job really. So it's like the more photo shoots you do, the more test shoots you do, which so test shoots like um, you don't get paid for them, but it's like to help build up the book and Mm. keep your book fresh. So you'll be working with photographers and and kind of working that way. So the more you do that, you start kind of building up confidence and and just being surrounded by other people in the industry. But, you know, at that age I was like oh it's so glamorous and I'm gonna do all these like amazing things but once you start being in the industry for so long you kind of do realize that there's a lot of things that are not so glamorous and Mm. you can be like on your feet for like 12 hours and or you don't eat so much or (laughs) people are like throwing all these crazy garments on you or yeah I've had like ups and downs within the industry both from like how people would react to like how my body looks or tell me to like lose weight or change and even though I'm skinny it's like 
I need to lose weight or this or like my body's not right or like so you, you do get these kind of like images in your head of like the ideal standard and you do compare yourself a lot to like other girls because you know everyone's pretty everyone's tall everyone's skinny and in your head it's like well you know this is also your competition so it's vicious <laughs> yeah so yeah it can be yeah so I have seen it change a lot like since I first started and then um I never went to a fashion school but um I did study art and I also studied business so then I did study a few like fashion modules when I was um in art school but most of my kind of knowledge of fashion came from just being a model being around designers being around different fabrics and and I've always loved like fabrics and print and you know whenever I go shopping I'd definitely be like looking at the fabrics and feeling it and looking at the colors and checking out like what it's made from and the composition mm. and also my mom was always really into fashion and she always had like stylish clothes and I've got a lot of like hand-me-downs from like 80s 90s oh, and like nice. cool vintage stuff so I feel like most fashion sense definitely like grew over the years as well and kind yeah. of like mix and match and yeah I feel like that way fashion is really fun like you can play around with it and then so then yeah I started traveling with my modeling work after being a few years in London and studying and I lived in Barcelona for a bit in Paris I've also been in Asia like in Singapore Philippines yeah around Europe and when you start traveling you also see like different cultures different trends like what the fashion is like in all in those different countries like how the fashion week works like what the fabrics are like and yeah so I, after that I was thinking oh I'd love to like start my own brand and and I've always had it in my head like subconsciously that you know I want to do something I want to do something in fashion I've been in fashion for so long but I don't really know what I what I want to do so then it kind of was like creeping up and and then eventually I was like I'm definitely going to do something in fashion so I started looking at like how much it costs to like could start a brand and do a fashion collection and then I started becoming like overwhelmed of all the cost of like how much it would be to like you know make a full collection and like do a show because coming from a fashion background like I what my impression was to start a brand you need to have a fashion show you need to do fashion week and you know it needs to be like this kind of luxury brand because I knew like I knew I was like I don't want to do something that's like fast fashion because mm. I also have been work, working in e-com and I was like I don't I don't want something that's just going to be like that and there's so much to my collection I want to create something unique and it was only when I went traveling to Bali um about two years ago that I got the idea to do swimwear and then I started working on that idea and I was like, there's so many swimwear brands around here. There must be um, somewhere where they manufacture or produce things here. So that's what kind of the light bulb kind of thing. I was like, yeah. okay, like, let me do a bit more research. But then I was like, I want it to be sustainable and I want to do good for the planet. I want to give back. I want it to tackle ethical issues and um, how can it be like, eco-friendly brand so that's when I started researching into it so I think like the first year was mostly me just researching like looking for manufacturers researching sustainability and um, that's when I came across them the true cost of fashion yeah and I watched that and that was really what opened my eyes and I was like oh my god like the industry is so polluting like I've been working how could I never think of it being so bad yeah and then you research like you know like big couture brands could be like burning their fabrics and destroying things and how much goes to landfill and it all gets sent to all these like third world countries and it's like I started watching all these documentaries that were coming up because of it like how much plastic pollution there is and people are getting sick and and then yeah through all of that I got into like fashion revolution and you know like who made my clothes and all of that and and that's what really kind of led me on the path to create a more sustainable brand that will give back to 
to communities, help with communities, um, yeah. and help kind of be tackling sustainable issues um, by having a brand that also, you know, and educating people and changing people to kind of realize that having a sustainable brand is is a tough journey but also <laughs> it can be very rewarding as well because you're helping well hopefully helping the planet to be a better place <laughs> yeah I definitely yeah. feel you on all these definitely a tough journey yeah. here so yeah, yeah. I totally relate. I love how there's a sense of curiosity and natural curiosity through the first mm-hmm. step that you took within modeling. And then you just literally was naturally, naturally curious about the garments, the composition. Not mm-hmm. many people like really turn their things inside out or look at the labels to understand or to know where it's from or what it's made from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was the Bali travel part of your modeling career or was it just like a side travel that you had it was a bit of both so it was like me and my boyfriend we decided to do two months there in Bali and just travel around because it's like somewhere that I always wanted to go and he was like okay let's go but then I also found the agency when I was out there which meant I could start working out there because that's the thing with modeling like you either so I have like a mother agency so a mother agency is someone who will look after all of your agencies around the world so you can go to your mother agent and say like oh I'm really interested in going into this market and then they will contact like their agencies in the countries you want to go to and like set up contracts and see if that agency wants you to fly over for a contract Mm -hmm. or if you don't have a mother agency or um, you work freelance you you can go to and approach clients in other countries or approach another agency to sign you for a contract right. so in in that sense like um I just went to Bali and found out that there were some agencies there and then kind of got contracts and then I was like see what happens like I'm here for two months if I get some jobs that's great but yeah it's kind of yeah. a mix of both <laughs> no it's so great because out of the whole trip I guess something bigger has come out and yeah Noage has started yeah. which is which is so great especially with that again that curiosity drove you from like where why are there so many swimwear brands there must be someone producing it like just that in itself like mm-hmm. sparked such a big thing now so let's talk more about your brand because yeah, I'm really excited for you to share what you do, the brand missions, the brand goals. So yeah, let's talk about Nawaj's mission, its vision, and what brings it to life? Like, why why mm-hmm. does this exist? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, my mission is to create an all-round, more sustainable future by educating and using either regenerated or natural fibers and helping um, build up communities in developing countries by either like re-educating or giving back to them so they can um, grow as a community so I when I was researching the fabric I found that there wasn't anywhere up to my standard in um, Indonesia that would produce these um, regenerated fibers So the regenerated fiber is made in Italy. And so then I started researching and that is a really big company that produces this. So, you know, they're they're working with initiatives that um, clean up the ocean from like ghost fishing nets and, and yeah, and like nylons that would go to waste or pre and post consumer waste, like carpets, fabric scraps. So they regenerate all that. Um, break that down with like a non-toxic like a chemical free process through steam and heat and that's like respun into new yarn which is then made into fabric so once I I found this manufacturer I was looking for a manufacturer in Bali that would be able to produce the swimwear and when I was um, researching I found out there was one manufacturer that already had a relationship with that manufacturer in Italy so I was like, okay, it's like it's just falling in my lap. Like this is yeah. this is the manufacturer that I need to go with. So, so I was like, crazy. okay, I started doing all my designs, and then I submitted like the tech pack, and then you know they gave me a quote on everything, and we just really started working together. And 
you know, I went, I went to the factory where they manufacture everything and like spent a lot of time with them. So that's why, because I split my time up between Europe and Bali. Obviously now it's a pandemic, so it's mm. kind of hard for me to get back to Bali. But that's why I choose, chose to have my manufacturing in Bali because I would really want to spend my time. I would just want to be able to go and visit my manufacturer and just go and see them firsthand and really build up that relationship with them. So that's really what I started doing there. And then that just kind of grew from there. And I got them involved um, last year in the fashion revolution. <laughs> so they really kind of like showcase the workers, kind of do like a little interview with them to let everyone know like what their job roles are in the factory. Yeah, so that I feel like that's my main mission to be able to produce like sustainable clothing that helps and gives back to developing communities yeah I love it I that's still it still gets to me how um how small of a world that must be to to have the the Italian manufacturer and the Bali manufacturer mm-hmm. know each other from the other side of the world and it just like yeah like worked <laughs> for you so well yeah it's definitely it, it's funny how like it just kind of falls into your that sometimes it's like you know you kind of just manifest it and it just appears yeah major literally at the other side of the world and it just it just clicked yeah <laughs> that's so great and I love how you also have give back initiatives so one of them was mm-hmm. one tree planted for every swimsuit mm-hmm. sold which yep. is so great and the other one which is more sort of relevant as well to the swimwear collection is mm-hmm. healthy seas and cleaning up the oceans and stuff so yeah like tell us a little bit more about why this is important to you to have it also embedded within knowledge's practices yeah I think it's very important to give back I mean there's also there's a lot of like greenwashing going on within the industry because I feel like sustainability has kind of become this kind of like hot trend right now to like be sustainable so a lot of bigger brands are greenwashing but I feel like it's really important to be transparent and show like why you want to give back so with our swimwear we really wanted to concentrate on conservation and like reforestation so that's why we uh, well I chose to do the conservation of um, ocean so the company that we work for that produces the fibers they have the initiative um, that helps up clean up the oceans and they have uh, divers that will go down and find the nylon and ghost fishing nets and like and that can be used to regenerate and then with the trees we feel like you know there's a lot of reforestation happening so it's like you know how can we give back and kind of like offset the carbon emissions that we do produce so we're like you know with everything that we we sell we want to reforest trees and then work on that and develop that because that's just like the beginning so it's like it's not the only thing that we're going to do as our collections grow I really want to start working on other areas to give back and work with initiatives and NGOs to develop and use those collections to um, give back to like different communities I think with the swimwear I I concentrate on conservation and Mm. um, reforestation yeah it works well with the specific product category as well and I Mm -hmm. think it's really interesting that with swimwear it's there's a lot of um themes of body positivity and that whole inclusivity themes that we mentioned in the beginning as well and of course it just plays such a good part in your journey as a model as well so I feel like all these sort of um experiences and skills sort of merge together pretty well in terms of trying to convey what you want to demonstrate with the swimwear pieces on like a mm-hmm. on like a value level I don't even know if I'm expressing myself right but yeah, there's more yeah. to just the product you know so like mm-hmm. we spoke all about the environmental aspects right now but let's like touch yeah. upon like the ethics as well and the yeah the different social elements to the fashion space so with that um yeah as a model in the industry what are your current thoughts on these beauty ideals these beauty standards and especially what you're trying to portray with your brand 
Yeah, no, definitely. And I feel like right now it's quite like innovative the way that um, the fashion industry is moving with um, beauty ideals. I mean, there are the ideals are still there, but I feel that more and more people are becoming included in how the ideal body shape should be. But then it's also kind of steering away from like what the ideal body shape should look like. And we're all included and we can all look good and feel good and be fashionable in like what we wear. And like with my swimwear, I really wanted to create a collection that's like mix and match. So each piece is sold separately. So it's not sold as set. So you can buy the top or the bottom, however you want to style your body shape. Yeah, and uh, that's clever. Uh, that's yeah, because <laughs> yeah, like, I always find that as well. It's like sometimes I like a certain bottom or a certain top and I can't find it. So it's like, you know, or I buy like two swimwears and like try and mix and match that. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, because some people are bigger up top and then some people are bigger at the bottom, but smaller up top and everyone has like different body shapes and sizes. So being able to have that kind of sizing that fits many different people, or you might be like, you want a high waist bottom and a small bottom, but then like only one style of top. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's very kind of inclusive in that way. At the moment, our size range is only small to large, but we're, you know, just a startup and we're looking to expand our size range. So once we kind of get more inquiries about people who want to have like a XL or double XL or XS, and then kind of grow our size range from that because I think it is important to include everybody in your size ranging. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely a good space to watch. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, that's such a clever idea because I, I just thought about it now, how sometimes I want different bottoms or, you know, like you said, and especially, um, I thought that was quite, yeah, that's quite clever because different silhouettes complement different body shapes in different ways. Mm -hmm. So I was also just thinking like it would be such a cool marketing thing to help with the styling aspect because sometimes people don't understand what what silhouettes would flatter them most so that yeah, would work definitely like, that would work so well so yeah yeah but also it's just for um inclusive of age as well so we our kind of age bracket is I guess from like 25 to 50 because we do have like high-waisted bottoms which will you know if you do feel a bit conscious about like your middle area um you can wear those and can comfortably wear that in your 50s because you know there's a lot of like bikini and swimwear brands that are all like fashionable and skimpy but then the older you get sometimes you don't want to wear like these <laughs> tiny tiny bikinis yeah. so yeah there's a um a size and a style available for all ages as well which is that's what I kind of wanted to create within the brand you know yeah what I know I understand that as also because currently you are as you mentioned you are a startup so the sizes are quite limited mm -hmm. but you are looking forward to extend these sizes what are the barriers do you think as a sustainable brand that puts you in a, a difficult position to extend these size ranges I think I mean it's definitely always comes down to budget as well because as soon as you start increasing your size size range you also need to include um the different colors and and that kind of ends up increasing your order size so it is quite difficult to include every single size from the get-go unless mm. you have like a lot of money to start up with because then you know you have one size which then splits into however many colors you're doing i mean obviously because yeah. i'm doing mix and match i have all of my bikinis are also all available in that same color. So they can all be mix and match. So it does vary, like, you know, maybe one style is in one color only. So then you could do like a larger size as you don't have as many colors. So it just depends, I guess, on how you do your size splits and your model. But I feel like definitely if factories had minimum like lower minimum orders mm. I think or if you um produce a swimwear yourself or produce the garment yourself then you can be flexible with producing whatever size you want to 
but also as once you start getting more into like plus size or petite the measure, measurements do change um significantly so then you need to create samples maybe for like the larger sizes because it will cut differently on the body and the same goes for like smaller and petite sizes the me measurements will also start to change so then it's like sampling different styles as well and then obviously if you want to sample like plus size garments you need to sample that on a plus size model so it's also getting another fit model in that size and then in a smaller size so yeah it, it does mean you have to spend more money on developing a wider range of sizes yeah so many so many costs in the beginning stages <laughs> in the beginning yeah, yeah. I, I never thought it would be so much it's like okay, i have this idea and i do this but then it's a lot of like sampling costs and you know samples are never going to be perfect the first time around you do them anyway you're going to always have to like tweak everything and you know sampling different um, manufacturers for different things so you know our bag shipment bags are biodegradable but we wanted to get samples from different different suppliers and then um all of our swimwear comes in like certified cotton drawstring bags you know getting samples from that and yeah there's a lot of you need to have like that budget just for the startup of like sampling everything and then once you have your sampling and your product done then it's like a budget for marketing and how much you're going to spend and all of that so yeah a lot of bootstrapping yeah gonna have to like make with what we have and like go with it yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're doing an amazing job, especially with the aesthetic of the brand. When I looked at your feed, honestly, it's like mm -hmm. goals, like the vision is there and it's so clear about the target customer, the whole Nawaj, like lifestyle and branding mm -hmm. image. Yeah, it's so clean, um, especially for someone also who didn't even study fashion and you just like have this vision <laughs> and you just portrayed it so well. Because I find it so difficult myself when I started my social media pages to have external help to create content because yeah. I'm so picky. So I'm like, if it doesn't even align with Anima Animus's like brand details I'm like eh. so with yours like it's so clean and yeah so aesthetics <laughs> yeah thank you it's, it's difficult so though I feel like when you're creating it because like I have this kind of vision of like how I want it to be because mm. the brand is very kind of like clean minimalistic kind of like timeless but then you know it I want to capture that essence of like travel and like yeah. um clean lines so because yeah, each collection is going to be inspired by traveling so of this first collection that i done was inspired by like um, southwest of france in the basque country so you have those kind of like red wine color and the kind of olive tree and the ocean deep ocean and yeah kind of like the black kind of classic colors so i feel like yeah definitely um it's tough when you because I I pretty much do everything myself even from like the branding yeah. and the design but I've always been thinking like I really want to outsource this to someone so I just have a bit more time to do something else but then I'm like how are they gonna do my vision like yeah you know, yeah so I'm like how can I translate that to somebody else to do it exactly how I want it done but then yeah. I end up just doing everything myself yeah yeah no definitely I definitely feel you on that one because I did have yeah. a marketing assistant when I first started out and I had those sort of challenges as well like don't get me wrong she was absolutely amazing she helped me so much with trying to understand also different perspectives because sometimes you're in such a tunnel vision that you exclude everything mm -hmm. and so she really did help me like see from a bird's eye view as well like how I could like develop and go from here and stuff so that was cool but again yeah with what you said like those little things where you're trying to get someone to also replicate what you have in your head but the only person mm -hmm. who can see it is yourself so it's, yeah it's so difficult it's like how do I project that into somebody else's mind mm. yeah exactly especially if I had like limited skills I wouldn't know how to photoshop it in a certain way that I can see in my head so I'm like can you just do this but then when they try to do it it's like oh it's not exactly what I wanted yeah 
especially for me, it's like my kind of academic background was like, well, I studied art, which covered everything, but it's very kind of like um, artistic and creative. But then thinking about like, you know, how things should be designed, like how do you Photoshop this? How do you do the layouts? How to do the branding? It was all new to me. Like, you know, I had to learn all that. So it has been such a amazing journey so far because I've learned so much about the industry which I've mm. been in for so long but I've never known that side of it and also learned so much about myself I'm like oh wow like I pretty much created this all on my own like yeah. <laughs> there's no help I never thought yeah. I'd be able to do that because there's been times where I'm like oh why don't I just like why did I choose a sustainable brand you know like why didn't I choose something easier but then I'm like no I need to like pep talk myself I'm like I'm doing this for like the gooder the gooder the better the better of the planet yeah yeah no definitely and yeah yeah. let's go back to I guess the theme of body positivity because I think Mm -hmm. it is great overall with the whole messages that the marketing industry or the marketing side of fashion is trying to trying to portray but I feel like Mm -hmm. I don't know it might be an unpopular opinion but I would love to get your thoughts on it too is the yeah I mean it's great to embrace different shapes and sizes but if someone is clearly obese or extremely underweight because sometimes I don't know fashion Mm -hmm. tends to forget that body positivity is also that other end of the scale and not only you know being extremely obese or extremely underweight do you think that mindset is then actually doing more harm than good Mm -hmm. yeah I mean it definitely can when you're going down to like a marketing like perspective because I feel like what I've noticed being in fashion and working in fashion it's always extreme and it doesn't necessarily care for people's like mental health or like physical health so you know it's always like we want to like show the most extreme of every scenario so it's like okay if you're having models they need to be super skinny and super tall and really underweight or they need to be like oversized and like going there's no like middle ground it's not like so you know it's not and portraying like the majority of people who are like in this middle section of society like you know it's only the small amount of people that are going to be like underweight or like overweight but I feel like that's what makes the impact and that's what like shocks people but it's not necessarily like I mean I'm all for like body positivity and like work it and like you know own your body and uh, like love yourself and the skin that you have but it's like is that portraying a healthy image if you're overweight or underweight no it's not so you know, people might be like, okay, we're like, I don't need to care about my weight now. Like, I'm body positivity. I can eat what I want. And, you <laughs> know, it doesn't matter if my cholesterol is like going up high <laughs> or it can go like, I'm going to starve myself and I won't eat anything because super skinny is in. But then it's like, you're not going to be healthy. Yeah. This is exactly so, what was in my head because I get that they're trying to portray the good within body positivity. But if you're marketing, your lingerie brand in the most overweight and clearly unhealthy bodies or really underweight bodies it's just not the best message or the best way to market that message and it really Mm -hmm. because I have really close friends who are also in fitness that are really agitated by this as well and they never understand why fashion markets that way when it comes to body positivity because they're like no they're carrying uh an over percentage of of body fat and it's not this like healthy range and they they were also like why it would sound like oh you're just being a a bad person if you're like why is this overweight person like wearing a crop top or something but like yeah and then I go like well it's just body positivity but then they were like well it's not if it's you're promoting them to eat unhealthy things and be happy because of body positivity like it gives them an excuse to not you know like maintain a healthy weight and that's such a maybe a mistake I don't know or a misconception or a miss I don't know messaging signal Mm -hmm. to to the wider market 
but yeah, yeah. I hope it, it makes sense because it's not like I try to I'm not trying to like body shame here it's it's also like oh, no, really no. like I don't know I just yeah I thought I would, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on that yeah I mean I'm definitely for body positivity but also in a healthy way so it's like you know what what are you doing to have a healthy body but then also love yourself in the way you are because obviously like you could be really healthy but you're also starving yourself because you want to be skinny so you know you're leading a healthy lifestyle but like mentally and physically you're doing bad for your body because it's not not as healthy you know as you should be and it it can go both ways so I feel like brands should market more towards a healthy body positivity rather than being like accept you for how you are regardless if you're eating healthy or not or if you're overweight or underweight but I feel like it it just it just escalated from like one extreme so all of a sudden everyone's like wow models are so skinny this is awful but then it's like oh but now these ones are overweight and you know that's fine that's body positivity but if you go back yeah. to I'd say like 80 when like the supermodels actually had like shape to them they weren't yeah. super skinny but then it was like the 90s came in and you had like Kate Moss heroin chic and like everyone mm. was like well we want to be anorexic because this is like <laughs> how the body should look like and then like early 2000s was like the whole like size zero trend where like everyone's trying to be size zero and it's yeah, like it's not healthy and I feel like trends and like marketing in that way is quite toxic and it can be like really bad for your mental health because you might be like you know I'm being all body body positive but then you're not being healthy at the same time so yeah I mean it's difficult to find that like middle ground of like how do you promote a healthy body image when everybody's so different and everyone has a different body shape and you know you just have to own your body shape and love it how it is you know some people go to the gym and change their body and work out and some people like will diet into their unhealthy but then some people will just eat so much food and be like overweight and be like well this is fine but yeah so yeah it's quite difficult right? <laughs> yeah in the name of body positivity i might just eat this fat cake <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's how it is um yeah no I'm I'm glad that you've shared that with me because I thought I was just mm-hmm. going like the unpopular opinion <laughs> but yeah um also in then in terms of inclusion within brands mm-hmm. and like portraying you know I'm sure like you would love to have this sort of element portrayed through your brand giving a seat at the table to someone within a minority group doesn't mean that they're meaningfully yeah. included and I think that's a lot of problems with brands nowadays um especially with the whole movement of Black Lives Matter within the past year that we've seen and the whole momentum with it so it's good to see the shifts are being made but this is only the start so with that in mind have you thought about sort of like the ways that you would try to make Nawaj as inclusive as possible Yes, no, I've definitely um, always been thinking of, you know, how to include um, different races, but also like the minority groups of people who work within my brand. So we we do like the fashion revolution for all the workers to kind of, it, it exposes their work behind, so it kind of goes in hand in hand with transparency. Um, and we kind of, as we grow, we really want to like, elaborate on that and we really want the, them to be part of the process and you know I feel like within the whole process everybody should be included so from like the way your um, fabric is made to like how it's produced to the end garment to the consumer so everybody should have um, some form of um, inclusion within your brand's um, progression so there's so many areas I'm really excited by it because there's so many different areas that I can like, develop on that so you know really including the workers and also once we're kind of giving back more to communities really kind of getting them involved showcasing their lives kind of really seeing like what do these people as workers do for this brand that the cons- can consumer and customers paying for 
you know so like everyone's all involved but also like on a consumer level like how much they're going to be involved in the decision making like you know really showcasing the consumer as well and seeing like how their actions by buying into a sustainable brand is actually doing good for the planet as well and as for like inclusivity and diversity we definitely want to um include like all the races <laughs> because I'm so mixed I'm so mixed I'm like you know yeah. I want to be able to include everybody in my brand because you, you see a lot of brands and they're just like okay like there's just so many just like white models or and you're like well you, why not add some diversity in there like you know everybody wants to be able to wear this and and you know making colorways that are and look amazing on all skin tones and everybody's included in it and yeah it's just like a melting pot like that's what I want to create because I yeah. feel like I'm so mixed yeah. and I feel like I don't I don't really know where I'm from I'm like was born in London but I have like Italian Polish Malaysian like Australian Asian so I'm like where do I fit on this world I don't I feel like I'm just so mixed I don't I'm just part of the whole world like, <laughs> I kind of yeah I kind of want to slowly like incorporate that into my brand and show like the diversity and the cultures and the communities all around the world and how we can all kind of yeah. just work together yeah no that's amazing because then it yeah. keeps an open like slate to you to embrace everything to yeah. embrace everyone <laughs> yeah embracing everyone and all cultures and all groups around the world yeah awesome so I would love to also know, and I'm sure my listeners too, what is <laughs> next for Nawage? Yeah, so obviously at the moment it's just the swimwear that we have, but we're continually wanting to like develop into more clothing and like ready to wear, but also thinking about like custom pieces. So it, I've always had like the idea that I want to make a like a mixed collection of kind of like resort ready to wear and swimwear pieces um as well we're constantly looking at new um kind of ways of getting involved with NGOs um in different countries and and also just to be able to travel a bit more so once the pandemic over because yeah because like our collections are really inspired by traveling and like, mm. if I do source new manufacturers, I definitely want to go to that country and spend some time there and be really involved. So yeah, so at the moment we're kind of concentrating on our swimwear, but also looking at developing some new designs and stuff, which is really exciting. Like new, looking at new, new fibers, um, new different types of fabric that all like sustainable and made from natural fibers, and been looking at new like printing and dyeing techniques so like all that's really exciting so yeah oh I love <laughs> I it that. no that sounds so exciting yeah yeah amazing but just before we leave off sadly where can our listeners find you oh yeah so we have our website which is at nawajlabel.com we're also on social media on instagram facebook uh, pinterest which is Nawaj label and also I'm on Clubhouse. <laughs> oh yeah. This new trend of everybody's getting starting to get on Clubhouse. But yeah, so I'm like Jessica Kim Evans on Clubhouse. So if there's anyone on there that wants to join in on talks as well. Amazing. So, yeah. Sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much again, Jessica, for joining me today. No, thank you. It's been amazing. <laughs> I love our little chats. <laughs> Yeah, it's so insightful and it's great to touch upon a different side and a different angle Mm -hmm. within the sustainable fashion space. Yeah, definitely. So we may have stopped talking, but that doesn't mean you have to. Join us and the rest of the AA fam on our website at animaanimus.co.uk to connect and continue the conversation within our forum spaces. Please do drop me what your thoughts were on this episode. You can even submit any voice notes, ideas, stories that you'd like me to share on the show. 
You can also find all the links we've mentioned in this episode in the show notes available on our website. And I would be so, so grateful if you could help me make this show become more discoverable for others by leaving a five-star review on your favorite episode and a social media handle I can contact you with because I would love to connect and thank you all personally. I really hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Thank you so much again for coming through and for listening. I really appreciate you joining this journey with me in driving discussions and creating positive industry change. Once again, I want to send you all a mad, mad love. And until next week, this was the Anima Animas podcast with Chelsea now signing out.